Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. It's so wonderful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you to the worship team. It's really awesome. You know, one thing that is very typical of heaven is worship. And uh, if ever you, you wonder what is it like to be in heaven, just... Just go on your knees and begin to worship Jesus. And you'll begin to experience just the, the power of the grace that is released when we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Awesome. Um, as I was preparing for the message this morning, there were two things that the Lord was just highlighting on my heart uh, for somebody that might be here. And uh, it's regarding forgiveness. I really feel like there's somebody or people here and the Holy Spirit is speaking this morning concerning forgiveness in your heart. Uh, there are certain people that you must forgive. And um, so far, the injuries in your heart have caused bitterness to rise up. And it's even starting to lead you into many temptations. The Word of God says that you, we should not allow a root of bitterness to take root and defile many. And bitterness has the ability to not only cause you to be separated from people, but it also has the ability to begin to defile your soul and your spirit, begin to introduce deceptions, and sometimes even lead you into sexual immorality. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit was highlighting that this morning for somebody. And I felt like the Lord was saying, you need to forgive and forget and release and let it go. So if that's you, just come and see us after the service for some ministry so that the Lord can really heal and restore your heart. There's also somebody here, you're struggling with issues with your ankles or your feet in terms of your bones and stuff, some kind of condition. The Lord wants to heal you this morning. Wonderful. We'll see what else the Holy Spirit wants to say throughout the morning. Um, if you have your Bibles here, we are starting with a new series today. A wonderful new series. And this series is going to lead us into our Christmas season. It's not entirely unrelated. And so it's important that we understand some of these things as we build up into the coming of Christ. The coming of Christ is not like Santa Claus. It's not a story that's just told. It is the redemption and salvation of the whole creation. Not only mankind, but also animals, and the whole creation. And Jesus has come 2,000 years ago as a result of certain promises of God. And over the next four weeks, we'll do a series called The Balance of Law, Grace, and Faith. And today we're speaking specifically about the covenants of the Bible. Next week, we'll deal with the Old Covenant and the importance of understanding the Old Covenant what it is. The following week, we'll deal with the cup of the new covenant. Whenever we do communion, the scripture says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And many times we miss that, not understanding that Jesus was actually making a drastic change at that point concerning the covenants of God. And then it was triggered when he shed his blood on the cross. And then the fourth week, will deal with living by grace through faith, the importance of approaching God in a new and living way. 
So before we start, let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We are excited concerning your word. Your word is living and active, that it's ministering to us this morning. It's cutting between soul and spirit, bone and marrow, dealing with many things in our hearts and elevating us. And thank you, Lord, that as we leave here this morning, we will not be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, how many of you have ever wondered why we have two parts in the Bible? Your Bible that you have has two parts. The first one is called the Old Testament, and the second one is called the New Testament. And most people are oblivious as to why there's that segmentation, that separation, and they just read the Bible as if it's one complete document. Now, the Bible consists of 66 books written by about 40 authors over thousands of years from different backgrounds, but the threads are different. The different themes that are coming across, the things that God is dealing in the first covenant are different from the ones that he's dealing in the second covenant. And it is important that you understand these things. Now the word testament, when you go in your Bible and it says the Old Testament, the word testament can also be the word covenant. And the covenant is an agreement or some kind of partnership or pact between two persons. And it comes into pass through vows or promises or words, pronouncements, and also through the shedding of blood, and also through the exchange of gifts. What does that remind you of? A wedding day. <laughs> right? Vows. That's why you are in a covenant with your spouse. Can't just change your mind overnight. That's why it says still death do us part, because certain blood covenants can only be exited by death. One of the parties, you come if you want to if you want to exit, you come to me and we arrange your exit. <laughs> it's the only way out. Tell your neighbor, don't just marry anybody. <laughs> All right. So why are there two testaments? Now, over the next few weeks, we will go into detail, but the important part to understand is firstly that when we say the New Testament, the word testament is also the word covenant, but in our days, the better word is to say the new will. Remember when you go to your financial advisor, they draft for you a last will and testament. It means that when I pass away, these are the things that must be fulfilled. Do you understand? That is a testament. So when you read the Old Testament, you are reading the Old Will. Did you know that? Did you know that? And when you're reading the New Testament, you're reading the New Will. Now, what's important is that the whole Old Testament does not consist only of the covenant, but also consists of the prophecies. It's called the Law and the Prophets. And there are many things in the Old Testament portion of the Bible that are foundational truths that don't necessarily make part of the old covenant. Are you with me? 
so that when you're reading from the Old Testament, there are portions which relate to the Old Covenant, but then there are portions which are revelations and prophecies concerning the Messiah or concerning how things operate in the realm of the Spirit. Are you with me? So therefore, it's important that you understand this distinction. Secondly, there, is a, there are two testaments because the first one had a problem. <laughs> right? The first covenant had an issue. And that covenant then God decided to remove by making a new covenant. All right, now let's read here 1 John chapter 5, verse 10 through to 15. One to go. These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So he writes to us so that we can know, not hope. There are many people, believers, who have put their trust in Jesus, but it's like a hope of eternal life. But the Word of God says that in Christ we have received eternal life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. The life is in the Son. Amen? And so, when you begin to understand the, the, the division of the two parts of the Bible, it's God saying, I've got something better. It's God saying that there was something that we've done in the past, but now there is something better. And those who are in the New Testament are to be bolder, are to be stronger, are to have much more of an experience with God than those in the Old Testament. And yet many times our ambition is to be like those who have the inferior covenant. And yet those who were in the inferior covenant looked down the road and said, I wish I was like you. Now if you're reading in your, in your Bible app, you might not see the distinction between the two parts of the covenant, especially when they delete it. And so this is important. We are not saying stop reading or studying the Old Testament. Okay? In the in the sense of stop reading and studying the first part of the Bible. No. It provides context. It is the reference. It foreshadows what is in the new. Amen? Alright. So this is the reason why... Amen. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Alright. John chapter 1 verse 16. In, it starts by saying in, in the first verses, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw His glory, full of grace, no? the only begotten of God. And that one is Jesus. All right? Then in verse 16 of chapter 1, he says, From His fullness, let's read together, From His fullness we have all received grace upon Grace. What is grace? It is the kindness of God that brings whatever empowerment is necessary for your life. Okay? Alright? 
grace upon grace, verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now the first part of the Bible, the first testament, and especially the first five books of the Bible known as the Torah or the law, okay, which the Jewish people follow as the scriptures, as the law, it was written by Moses. This is incredible because Moses wasn't there when God created the earth, and yet he's the one that is writing about Adam and all of that. Much of the revelations that he got when he was up in the mountain 40 days, 40 nights with God himself. Okay, so then Moses is writing, and so with every covenant, this is important to understand, there are parties between the covenant, and the covenant is only as strong as the two parties. Amen? That means, for example, the marriage covenant between a husband and a wife, it is only as strong as the commitment of the husband or of the wife. If one of them fail, what happens? The covenant breaks. Okay? And this is the issue with most of the covenants in the Old Testament part of the Bible, is that those covenants were between God and man. And whenever you bring man into the equation, <laughs> it's just a matter of time before he ruins the whole thing. Okay? But God had to work in covenants. Why? Because he gave dominion in the earth to man. He couldn't just come in and do his thing. He gave dominion of the earth to man. So therefore, even from the beginning, we see the Adamic covenant. We then see the Noahic or Noah's covenant, right? And then after that, we see the Abrahamic covenant with Abraham that begins to begins to initiate the nation of Israel through which God will then bring the David or Davidic covenant. And the Davidic covenant has a pronouncement that says your ancestor, your, your descendant will be on the throne, which is Jesus. Are you with me? So God is dealing throughout history through these covenants. It's important. And it says in the book, in the New Testament, that we Gentiles were aliens to the covenants of God. We were foreigners to the household. We were, we were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. But then we were brought near by Christ. What happened? Something changed. Are you with me? This is so important. If you sleep today, it means there's demonic attack on your life. Because <laughs> that devil does not want you to know what is in the testament for you. All right? For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth did what? Came. The law was given. But grace and truth came. And it says Jesus was full of grace. The only full, full of grace. All right? Okay, so that's very important for us to understand. Now, next, we must see that because a lot of people have this issue. I was listening to the one uh, rabbi, Jewish rabbi, saying, no, the Christians have it wrong. They are saying that God wanted to make a new covenant, and that covenant came through Jesus. And they claim, no, it's wrong. 
They believe, according to their, the scriptures, that the new covenant only starts when Christ returns in his millennial reign. Okay? So this is a controversial thing for us to claim <laughs> that we are in the new covenant and are experiencing the grace and the blessings of the new because saying that there's a new covenant means that the old has become obsolete. Let's read here together Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. I want to encourage you to, during this time, at least go through the book of Hebrews once. Read from the beginning through all the way to the end. It shows you the contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant, the old sacrifices and the sacrifice of Christ, the old priesthood and the new priesthood, all of those contrasts to, to say that Jesus is better than everyone else in case you want to go back to Judaism. Let's read together. One, two, go. Christ the Messiah is therefore the negotiator and mediator of an entirely new agreement, testament, covenant, so that those who are called and offered it may receive the fulfillment of the promised everlasting inheritance, since a death has taken place which rescues and delivers and redeems them from the transgressions committed under the old or first agreement. Okay, let's keep going. For where there is a last will and testament involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. You can't just come together as beneficiaries and heirs and just begin to deal with the, with the, with the will while the, the man is still at the office. You come in and say, what is happening here? Why? Because you are dealing with his estate, all his possessions. Amen? So before the will is opened up and there is an executor, it's a lawyer that deals in the administration of estates appointed by the, the master of the high court. Right? He's the executor. He will call the family together, say these are the assets, these are the liabilities in the estate, these are the, the debts, these are the properties. This one gets that, this one gets that's the executor. Now before he can begin to do that, they must establish the death of the testator. Are you with me? And the testator of the new covenant, the, the, the one who wrote the will for the new covenant is who? Is who? Jesus Christ. So on the night that he's betrayed, he, he, he says, here is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Alright? No covenant comes into, into being spiritual covenants. Come on, am, am I in an African church? Huh? Spiritual covenants don't come into being without blood. Can't just come there and beat the drums. <laughs> you need to bring a goat or a chicken or something. Amen? Alright, now let's go back a little bit. It says, Christ the Messiah is therefore the negotiator and the mediator of a new agreement. He's saying this because the old covenant has another mediator. Who is the mediator of the old covenant? Moses. So he is the one who is negotiating the old covenant between man and God. And then Christ comes as the mediator of the new covenant. This is why we don't believe in relationship with God through the pastor or through the priest. Because it says there shall, there's no other mediator except the man, Christ Jesus. Right? I am not your mediator, your, your medium through which you pray to God. And No. 
I also have to go to God directly. You can't come through me. This is a, a drastic change from the old. And we'll go into detail next week concerning the old covenant. Because the old covenant excluded you. If you are not from the right tribe, you are excluded. If you are not from the right family, from Aaron's family, you are not from the Levitical tribe, you are not a priest. And you are not allowed to ever touch anything in the temple. Don't touch it, you will, you will defile it. You will taint it with your sinfulness. <laughs> so the old covenant excludes. This is why if you are in the wrong covenant, your relationship with God will be a relationship of exclusion. And making many sacrifices for God. And uh, You know, have you seen people who, who make deals with God? God, you know, I've been praying and I see you are not answering. So look, if you do it for me, then quid pro quo. Then I will do it for you. That happened in the Old Testament a lot, but not in the New. Okay? Very important. So uh, go back. Jesus is the mediator of the, of the New Covenant so that those who are called, this is important, and offered it may receive the fulfillment of the promised everlasting inheritance. Why? He's saying that Jesus, after he dies, the will can be opened. And the executor must then be appointed to distribute the estate. Who is the executor? Who is the attorney? Who is the advocate that was sent to administer the estate of Christ? The Holy Ghost. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. What's the issue with orphans? No inheritance. No parents. But I will come to you. Yeah? He will send the helper. The paracletos, the advocate, the counselor. Ooh. So we have been sent a lawyer <laughs> who knows the mind of God, who understands the legalities of the kingdom of God, and who understands that you are an heir of Christ and is there to make sure that you inherit everything that Christ has died and paid for. And then Jesus comes up from the grave, right? They circumcise. They trick the system a little bit. He, he comes up from the grave. He's resurrected. So you become an heir and you have the relationship with the living God. Oh, hallelujah. This is important. It will set you free from bondage. Okay? Let's read together. One, two, go. For a will and testament is valid and takes effect only at death. Since it has no force or legal power as long as the one who made it is alive. Hold on. So when we read the, the Bible, where does the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, the Old Will, start? Which book of the Bible? Hmm? 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 You can shout out. No, no, says possessed. Where? Genesis. Exodus. The old covenant starts at Mount Sinai. We'll get there. All right? So when you read the Bible, don't read Genesis and say, yeah, man. No, it says here, male and female. It's old covenant, man. <laughs> Nonsense. Okay? The old covenant starts on Mount Sinai after they left Egypt. Okay? And God is dealing with them now in a, in a relationship of, of promises and expectations, commandments, okay? And he gives the Ten Commandments to them. 
Okay? He didn't give the Ten Commandments to you. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> Why am I saying that? Because we are not part of Israel. Okay? We have received the new commandment. We'll get there. Okay. So then it's, that's why we don't, go, we don't keep the Sabbath. Those of you who say, no, but I keep the Ten Commandments. And the Sabbath? Did you, did you cook yesterday? And the, the Word of God says if you break one, you've broken them all. And how long have you been breaking them? For years, not realizing. And thinking that you are keeping it. Thinking that God is blessing you because you are keeping it. And yet you have violated the Sabbath for years. You can't even pick up sticks. You can't go to the mall on Saturday. And if you go to the mall, you are making others break the Sabbath. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay, since, so you can work. Okay, we are not teaching on the Sabbath today. But these are the confusions that you have when you are in the wrong, when you, you think you are in the wrong covenant when you are in another one. Okay. All right. So even the old and the first covenant will was not inaugurated and ratified and put in force without the shedding of blood. Whose blood? In the Old Testament. Whose blood? In the Old Testament. Of animals. You see the inferiority of this covenant. Okay. But in the New Testament, we have the blood of? Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, the Lamb of God, all right? And so it's very important. Now, in the New Testament, you read, where does the New Testament start? So the Old Testament starts in Exodus and ends where? Ends where? Ends where? Hmm? <laughs> You're not saying it loud enough. I know it's your mask. <laughs> it ends with Malachi in the Bible. But actually, it doesn't end there. Because Jesus is born of a virgin, born under the law, to fulfill the law. Okay? Because if the, if the New Testament starts at the birth of Jesus, it means the, the New Testament undoes the old one. This is a legal principle. If you, let me make this example. There is a man, for example, right, who is married to this wife, and then after a couple of years, he doesn't like her anymore. Obviously not a Christian guy. <laughs> he doesn't like her anymore. And then he decides to divorce her. They already have five kids together. Okay? He des decides to divorce her. And then in his will, the, the previous wife, the first wife is there. You will get uh, the, the house. You will get the insurance policy. You will get the, 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 the two cows. You will get the, 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 the car. And the kids will get, will get the, the city golf and the, the savings account. You know, those are the things in the will, right? And then the cousins can get a shirt, my shirts, my old shirts, my ties. <laughs> All right, so he makes that will. But when he gets divorced, the will doesn't get abrogated because they are no longer in the covenant. Did you know that? All right? What abrogates the will is when he goes now on, moving on, eh? and he's paying maintenance or whatever, and then he meets this new lady on a mission trip or something like that. <laughs> and so he meets this new lady, and then they start having a relationship, and uh, he likes her more, and then he gets, he gets sick, and, and he's about to die, and just before he dies, she persuades him, eh? not forces him, if you force and coerce, that will doesn't, doesn't count. Just some free legal advice this morning. 
okay? So now you can't force the guy. You persuade him by taking good care of him and lots of love and all of that. And are you going to put me in the will? So then he makes a new will, puts her and says, uh, uh, Susan gets everything. <laughs> and he signs it and there are witnesses and all of that, right? Once he makes that will, Mama, mama, so-and-so, and her children are excluded forever. In the same way, when God says, I'll make a new covenant, I'll make a new testament, he is undoing the old one. He's undoing the old one. And the reason was because the new one is better. It's better. Give us there the next one. So, next question. Can a person live under the wrong covenant or will? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Let's read here together Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. When God speaks of a... Let's read together if you not speak English. When God speaks of a new covenant or agreement, He makes the first one obsolete. Stop. What is obsolete? Out... Yeah, it's... <laughs> Out of use. Anyone of you have your phone? Your phone, right? Your phone has software that if there is an upgrade, right, and your phone is no longer on the new software, it could make it incompatible with the system. Do you understand? In the same way, if God speaks of a new covenant, he has made the first one obsolete. Let's continue. And what is obsolete, out of use, and Annulled. What does it mean to annul? To cancel. To cancel. So now you are reading the Old Covenant or the Old Testament and you, you are living like Moses and asking why we are not eating shrimp, why, why, why we eat pork and why we eat uh, prawns and why we eat bacon. If the Bible says, right? Because there is a different covenant if you consider the chronology of God's will. What is obsolete, out of use, and annulled because of age is ripe for disappearance and to be dispensed with altogether. Amen? It's like wasted tires for the mechanics. Eh? Your wasted tires, after you replace them with new tires, what do you do with them? Throw them away. In the same... <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds vicious. Because what we're saying is the covenant that the Jewish people have with God has become obsolete. It's a very blasphemous thing to say this is why the, the, the Apostle Paul was beaten a lot. Especially by Jewish fanatics. Because he was saying we must uh, leave Moses. He was saying we mustn't fulfill the law. We must say, uh, the, do you understand? Okay, obviously misunderstanding the gospel. Okay, let's read here. It's also similar to the example that I just made. This is in the book of Galatians. Most of you, in the book of Galatians, the only scripture you know is Galatians 5 verse 22. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness. You don't know what happens in the beginning. In the beginning, the Galatian church was saved through the new covenant. But there were Jewish believers coming from Jerusalem who said, no, you can't just get saved through this faith in Jesus Christ by grace through faith and all of that. No, you must also be circumcised and you must also keep the law of Moses. And so they came in among them to inspect who is circumcised, who is not circumcised, you know. 
They probably did that by, you know, going to the bathroom with, with a guy, you know. It's like, are you going to the bathroom? I'm coming with you. Let's just discuss. <laughs> and so there they inspected. It was the only way to tell. Even if you're a foreigner and you're becoming part of Israel, the only way to tell, are the children here? Yeah, she's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> is, is by that sign. Okay, let's read here. Okay, so he then says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started in Christ and now you are trying to perfect yourself through the law. Okay, very important uh, letter to read. And we pick it up where he's making an analogy. Let's read together. One, two, go. Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? When you read law, it's the Old Testament. The Old Testament of the law. Let's continue. The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. Stop. So who is the slave wife? Hagar. Okay. And who is the freeborn wife? Sarah, but Sarah wasn't having children. Sarah wasn't having children. And so God's promise was, no, through Sarah, you will have a son that will become a blessing to the nations. And then they tried, they tried, they tried, they tried. It wasn't working. And then what did they do? Sarah had a brilliant idea. She said, why don't you just sleep with my uh, servant Hagar? And what did Abraham say? Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Very terrible. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. I mean, that, uh, we, it's probably God. That, that's a God idea. All right? Then he, has, he, ha he sleeps with this woman, and she gives birth to a son called Ishmael. Ishmael. And Ishmael is growing up in the process. Isaac comes. All right? And they just brush it away like, oh, it's fine. But then what happens is as Ishmael is growing up, as Ishmael is growing up, Isaac is getting persecuted by Ishmael, bullied by Ishmael. And then, what does Sarah say to Abraham? Look, I don't like the way that this, this woman's child is treating my child. Hmm? These issues exist in Namibia. Mm -hmm. I don't like the way this woman is treating my child, so therefore, get them out. But it was your idea. <laughs> you are the one who told me that I needed to, I don't want to hear anything. Get rid of her. <laughs> and then Abraham goes to God's smart idea. What does God say? Listen to your wife. Okay. <laughs> so what does he do? He gives Hagar a bottle of water and a loaf of bread. When you are a slave, that's the treatment. When you are the child of the slaves, no inheritance, nothing. And he sends them off. And as, as he sends them off, uh, the baby begins to cry, and an angel meets them, and God blesses the child. Many believe that the Arab nations today, the wealthy nations of the world, the oil nations of the world, are the offspring of, of Ishmael. Okay? And they fight Israel, still persecuting the Isaac. Tell your neighbor, don't just sleep with anybody. <laughs> Tell them, tell them, they might not hear from somebody. Tell them, I know you, you, you're a good Christian. <laughs> mm -mm. You know, I won't say the, the United Nations phrase, which is, use a 
Uh, uh, okay, verse 24. Let's read together. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. You know, when you read the Bible, it, we are read, it's making sense, isn't it? You don't need someone from the mountain coming to explain to you these things. It's right there in English. Mm -hmm. Let's continue. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where the people received the law that enslaved them. You remember this. Israel meeting with God on the mountain, Moses bringing the Ten Commandments. That's, that's Hagar. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. Speaking of natural Jerusalem. Okay? Verse 26. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman and she is our mother. Speaking of the church. Okay? As Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth, break out into joyful shout, you who have never been in labor, for the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. Okay, keep going. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. The Galatians are Gentiles, just like us. So these words come to us just like Isaac, verse 29, but you are now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law, just as Ishmael, the child born of human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. And he's speaking by analogy, saying those guys who are coming from the Jerusalem church, those Jewish people who are trying to make you keep the law, who are trying to persecute you now, are just like Ishmael who used to persecute Isaac. And what does it say? But what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son. Who is the slave? Hagar. She represents what? The old covenant. What must you do with the, the old covenant? Get rid of her. And get rid of her son also. <laughs> For the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. You who want to follow all the Jewish customs and what, 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 what. When Christ has already fulfilled all the feasts, all the promises, all the prophetic. Amen? Eat your pork. <laughs> the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and Joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. Hallelujah. Are you understanding this? This is a cause for rejoicing. If God blessed Israel, then surely you are doubly blessed. Amen. Whatever promise has been given through to Israel, right? that he will watch over you and all of that, that promise is yours. Why? Because you are in the Son. You are in the main heir who is Jesus Christ. We have died with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Which book of the Bible is that? I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians. In the same one. Do you understand? I've died. My life doesn't exist. I'm in Christ. All the benefits, if Christ gets it, I get it. 
Hallelujah. This will change your prayer life, change the way you approach your life. It will change the way you approach God. You will no longer feel like you are lost and, and alone in this world. Without any help, without any hope, because the, the rich uncle in the family has rejected you. Or you are a stepchild in the family. Hmm. So how do I benefit from the testament? And next week we'll deal with the, the, new, the old covenant even more. So that you understand, stay away. Stay away. Amen? You are embracing something that you don't know kills. The law itself is good. Just like a car. But it's not good for driving over people. Amen? The problem is with the people. You are not strong enough to handle the weight of the old covenant. The old covenant is unbending. You can come with your, have mercy, I'm sorry. No, it doesn't matter. The law is unbending. It's like a harsh husband. Unbending. Yeah. That guy must change. How do I benefit from the testament? Let's read together 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11. For what person perceives, knows, and understands what passes through a man's thoughts except the man's own spirit within him? Just so no one discerns, comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Right? Do you have this? Very important insight into how you operate. The part of you that knows you best is your spirit. Your spirit knows your whole mind, conscious, subconscious. Okay? And then it says, in the same way God, his spirit knows his mind. And, and the spirit knows the whole mind of God. We continue reading verse 12. Now we have not received the spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. So what is he saying? There is someone that can explain to you the benefits that you have received from God. Who is that? When, there's a, when, when someone dies and they leave a will, eh, the court appoints the executor. The executor knows the mind of the testator. Why? He was appointed by the testator. When? When the testator was still alive. How many of you, you've been asked by friends and family, can you please, you know, be the testator or the executor on our will, and when the children die, will you be the legal guardian and all? Do you understand? This is what the Holy Spirit is doing. Why? Because he knows the mind of God, and he knows your mind, and he's able to connect the dots and make sure that you fulfill your purpose through what Christ has done for you. This is why your relationship with God is critical. But more than that, your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Why? Where is Jesus today? Where is Jesus today? At the right hand of the Father. Is, have you seen him at, at Grove Mall lately? Have you seen him on, on Fox News in Israel? No. 
and all the apparitions that we see and how he visits people in dreams and all of that, I believe that's the, the angel of the, of the Lord. Okay? He represents the presence of Jesus. That's another teaching. But it's very important that you understand, Jesus is not here today. Even when we pray, Lord Jesus, we know your presence is here. And even though he said, if there are two or three gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. How can you say Jesus is not here? He's here. No, he's not here. Why? Because Jesus has a, has a, a body. Hallelujah. Because in Psalms, David said, I have come to do your will. You have prepared for me a body. To take away the first will and to bring in the new one. Jesus retains his body. Why? Because he is the glue between God and man. He is the intercession in his person. He doesn't need to pray. He stands before God and God sees. God sees the union between God and man. He, doesn't, he just has to walk around and the angels know. That now God's favor is towards mankind. Why? Because the word was made flesh. The thing that everyone deemed to be so sinful, unsavable, unredeemable. Jesus came and he redeemed us. And we now have the old body. But when Jesus returns, we will have our glorified body. We will see him as he is and we will be changed into the same body. Amen? So now, Jesus is not here, but who is here? The Holy Spirit is here in, in actuality. He, you, can, you can experience him in your home, in your work, in your car, physically. This is awesome. And this is what the Pharisees, the leaders of the Jewish establishment, the ones who followed Moses. Jesus came to them and said, these are the scriptures that testify about me. You search the scriptures as if in them you will find life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, and yet you do not come to me. But we, <laughs> who were excluded from the will, the first one, who had nothing to do with God. We were worshipping wood and stone and rain and sun and grandmas and grandpas. And we have been liberated. And now we can worship the living God closer than Moses. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that David said, blessed are those whose iniquities will not be imputed. Huh? That God will bless them on account of Christ. Hallelujah. The harassments of Satan have to stop in your life. You are an heir of God. You are a child of God. The promises of God in Christ are not yes and no. They are yes and amen. And this is to the glory of God. Why? It is to the glory of the testator that there is no manipulations at the executor's meeting. Why? The will of the testator is that Susan must inherit the house. Now here comes some uncle, manipulates the situation, and robs the house. Satan is that uncle. And what is the best way that he will rob you of your inheritance? 
you don't know what's in the will. Why? Because you are not spending time reading the testament and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and say, look here also, look here also. No, I thought this wasn't for me. It's for you. Look here also. This is also for you. And this, this is also, and this is, okay, hold on, Holy Spirit. Let me write it down. So you begin to write it down. Put on all, this is for me. This, this portion, that portion is for me also. Holy Spirit, what else? This and that and that and that. Okay, everything. Hallelujah. We have not been made co-heirs with Christ. We have been made joint heirs with Christ. What does it mean? Everything that is his is mine. If the only issue is we must be persuaded in our hearts. Even in the Old Testament, the issue was they, they were promised the promised land. While they were slaves, God promised them, I will surely bring you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And that whole generation refused to go in. God promised it, it was his will. But just because it's God's promise and God's will, it doesn't mean it will happen if you are persuaded otherwise. There was an evil report that came from the ten spies. They said, no, we are too small. There are giants in the land. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. Let's just go back. Moses, you brought us here to kill us. <laughs> the people wept that night. And God was upset. Oh, oh. I've been in the wilderness so long. Why didn't you just leave us in Egypt? There was garlic there. We were fine. We were all right. Well, God's plan is not for you to be a slave and be all right. Many of us have become okay with slavery. We have given up on the life of freedom and liberty. It's too hard to believe God. It's so hard to walk with the Holy Spirit. Nonsense. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. And from today, we declare that there's a shift taking place. Every person, every person that's been struggling to draw near in boldness with God, that door is open in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Stand and just begin to thank Jesus. Ask him for revelation. Ask him to open up your eyes. Ask him to open up your heart. All that unbelief and doubt, that slave mentality, that orphan mentality must go. Jesus has already said it is finished. It is fully paid. It is completely sorted out. It is completely, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no rejection for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now you have been accepted in the beloved. You have been brought into fellowship with Almighty God. You have been brought into fellowship with Jesus. You have been brought into fellowship with the Holy Spirit of God, the creator of the universe. He is my, my friend and my father hallelujah freedom is mine says the lord freedom is mine if the sun sets you free you are free indeed the time of weeping is over 
Jesus is our joy. He is our salvation. He is our portion. He is our hope. He is our, our redemption. He is our inheritance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. Rejoice. The Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. He has made a way. He has made a way. He has made a new thing. He has done a new thing. It is glorious in our eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we declare in Jesus' name, revelation is breaking open this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hope is breaking up, open in the name of Jesus. Bondage is falling off in the name of Jesus. Chains are breaking off in the mighty name of Jesus. Every oppression, every oppression breaks off in the name of Jesus. Freedom reigns where the Spirit of the Lord is. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom in the mighty name. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for a new hunger for your word. A new hunger for your word. That we'll be studying the scriptures, Lord. Our inheritance, our portion, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Give a shout unto Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you for your word. And thank you that as we go home, Lord, that this word will be growing and germinating in our spirits, Lord God, bringing forth great excitement, great joy, Lord God. We, we thank you for a release of the miraculous this morning, Lord God. Answered prayers, Lord God. Answered prophecies, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, that it's coming to pass, even as we stand in the place of unction and anointing, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that your angels are being released to fulfill, to fulfill the promises of God in the lives of your your children we declare that the blessing of the Lord is upon you we declare that the blessing of the Lord is upon your children it's upon your marriage it's upon your business it's upon your career it's upon your relationships it's upon your 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 spiritual growth everywhere you go you are blessed with the blessings of Abraham we thank you Lord we rejoice in you in Jesus name amen hallelujah Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.